everyone, this is Arnold from With Warm Welcome. Happy Wednesday. We have another episode of Weekly Welcome, and today we're welcoming in Rika. Rika is the owner of Shifa here in Eagle Rock, Los Angeles. It is a family owned and operated restaurant by every measure. Her daughter is on the WOG, her son is expediting, her brother Humberto helped design and is the chief marketing officer. Her husband is the chef there. Her mom has shared her family recipes with her. Honestly, the epitome of a family restaurant. I've been there a couple times now. I had the pleasure of meeting her family over the over the past few months and um, it was wonderful to just sit down and really listen to her story of how they came to be, her immigrant story. It's incredible. They really made a name for themselves from nothing and um, they first immigrated to Highland Park and they're now able to reopen in the neighborhood in which they grew up um, they grew up in so really really inspirational full circle and I can't wait to share this conversation with you all so without further ado this is Rika with Shifa I need I need to learn about you and where you grew up your Asian American experience growing up because mm-hmm. You you have a very interesting ethnic background too, given yes. your dad and your mom. Yes. So we'd love to just start there, like growing up. As yeah, an yeah. Well, I think. Well, first of all, before I go into you know myself, I just wanted to say like I believe in fate and just kind of what happens in our life. And this is my whole family. Um, we believe if we do work hard, do good things, good things come to you. And so, just like how we met, you know, I wanted to share a little bit of that. Why I'm here today. Um, when we were opening the restaurant and my husband literally spent his first two years constructing. So he knows every nook and cranny of Chifa because he was literally there doing construction. Um, Joe, who is the silk and jade Mm. tea guy, tea master, you know, live, his shop is going to be down the street from Chifa. He would walk by with his dog and would be like, Hey, what are you guys doing? What's happening? And so that's how we met him. And when Chifa was opening, um, and as I, I, you know, we'll talk a bit, little bit more about this, but we wanted to, you know, collaborate with other local businesses and especially Asian American businesses. Um, so when we opened, we needed a tea, mm. we needed a selection of teas. And so we went to Joe, obviously, and then his uh, daughter also ended up uh, starting for fun, a Silk and Jade Bakery Instagram account showcasing her pineapple cakes. Which are delicious. And it and I saw that and I said, wow, we need to have this at Chifa. Mm. You know, my husband's Taiwanese. We have Taiwanese on the menu. Um, so we started selling, um, collaborating with them and showcasing their uh, pineapple cake, which is the best in, I think, better than anything you can get in Taiwan. Um, so I think that's how you pick them up for your baker's box and then they brought you to the restaurant to dine that's right and so anyway that's how we met so that's what i mean like fate and just meeting people and coming full circle so thank you for having me here oh my gosh thank (laughs) you for being here (laughs) so my story um you know i was born in hong kong um my dad worked for the british government he grew up in peru Mm -hmm. Uh, so worked for in Hong Kong for the British government, basically his whole whole life. He uh, is fluent in Chinese, English, and Spanish. You know, he can read, write. So pretty amazing wow. for a man. Uh, you know, born in 1923, Especially early, yeah, yeah. And basically, you know, escaped kind of the wars. You know, my grandfather went to Lima in 1910 uh, to as a young man. 
to, I think, start a new life. Uh, Cantonese people, if you know the if you know the history of Cantonese people, they've been very willing to travel the world. Um, they kind of followed, if you think about the history of, of Chinese, mm-hmm. they followed uh, the end of slavery across the globe. Mm-hmm. So whether it was in Latin America or in the United States, and then the Chinese would come in and they were the indentured servants. So they fo- basically follow the footprint of, of, of when slavery ended. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'll see, you know, the Chinese Americans, you know, Chinese came over here to the United States to help build a railroad. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Chinese went to Latin America basically to take over a lot of the, you know, the labor jobs. Mm-hmm. So my grandfather went there. Um, anyway, my parents met in Hong Kong. I was born in Hong Kong. Um, and then my father is 23 years older than my mom. Um, we, he, you know, was married several times, very handsome, a very handsome Latin Chinese man. Um, man of the talents. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we actually come from a pretty big family. There's seven siblings. Um, my father had four other children. Mm -hmm. So my mom, you know, when my mom married him, she was 20. Um, and you know, on his salary, he couldn't support seven children. So my mother actually, uh, in Hong Kong was a maid and a cook. So I remember Mm. at the age of three, I would go with her, uh, and I would, you know, she would, she would be cooking for a family and I would be sitting with her, uh, standing on the stove and pretending I was cooking. (laughs) So, you know, so that was kind of my introduction (laughs) to, you know, work. You know, watching my mom really work hard. Um, my dad, when he retired from the British government, uh, just Hong Kong was such a, you know, in the 70s was a really hard, um, I think, for anybody trying to raise a family, and especially a family of seven. Uh, my father had support in Lima. So he basically, the entire family went to Lima, Peru. Um, all my uncles, you know, the Chinese in Lima... I don't know if you know this, but 20% of the population are Chinese in Peru. I didn't know that. And yeah, and actually Peruvian food, if you think about lomo saltado, pollo la brasa, all of that came about because of the Chinese immigration. Mm. So the Chinese brought soy sauce, brought rice, brought vinegar, uh, brought fermented tofu and all that. So that is in the lomo uh, lomo saltado and the pollo la brasa. So mm. all those ingredients came about because of the Chinese immigration. So my family was, you know, and, and, and if you look at, you know, who owns the supermarket, right? The biggest supermarket in Lima is called Wang's. So what people don't realize is that the Chinese had ingrained themselves in South America across Lima, across Paraguay, Chile. So they really became the business people mm. in Latin America. Mm. They own the hotels, the casinos. So my family, my mom, you know, after immigration, um, had support from my dad's family uh, to open a restaurant, a small little chifa. So we basically, uh, my mom opened a restaurant when we were little and uh, she, and you know, she made a good living. We had a nanny, uh, you know, to help. My brother was born in here and then, and then, uh, was born in the United States. My mom wanted an anchor baby. Then we went to Peru. Um, <laughs> so anyway, my I think my mom, we would have been fine had we stayed in Lima. Yeah. Um, and we'll go into what Chifa means and all that. Uh, so I, I feel like I got the best of all worlds uh, growing up with a very strict traditional Chinese mom mm. who wanted us to focus on education, mm-hmm on all of the, you know, everything that you want as a Chinese parent, you know, obedient children, 
You don't talk back to your parents. You know, all of that was my mom. That, that's what she instilled in us. My father, on the other hand, was the fun Latin, you know, like everything it's okay. Like there's no pressure. <laughs> so I, I feel like my, bro- my siblings and I grew up, uh, we were very lucky mm. that we had a mix of both cultures. Yeah. We had the very easygoing, fun-loving Latin culture and also the very strict Chinese culture. That is fascinating because not a lot of people have exposure to that. No, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and I took it for granted, I think, growing up because we just thought ev- that's how all households are. But now as an adult, I realize, wow, that's actually pretty special. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. So that's that's kind of basically how we grew. And, and I want to say, you know, in, in South America, like I said, um, we didn't, there, we were naturally accepted in Latin America as a mm. Chinese, as Chinese immigrants mm. because so many people, there was such a huge Chinese immigration and the Chinese were well ingrained in the society. So it's already um, embedded into the culture. Yes, yes. So I think my mom being the young woman that she is um, at the time, you know, she was 24. We had an opportunity to come to the States. Uh, my uncle sponsored us and our paper came up. And so she had to make a decision. And of course, you know, in, in Asian families, right? The mom always makes the decision. My dad was like, I'll do whatever. <laughs> so um, my mom, you know, as to her credit, gave up her, her life would have been set in Lima. Um, obviously the standard of living is much lower. Right, the right, opportunities right. would have been less, I think for us as her kids. So, and she recognized that she recognized that coming to America would have been an, a new opportunity mm. for her children. Mm. Um, so being selfless, she sold her business in Peru, started over here in the United States. Um, and my dad basically got a job, uh, at, at a, at a Chinatown dim sum restaurant called golden palace, mm. which is now I think the Broadway, mm. they just took over from plum tree. So that location is still there, but we grew up in Golden Palace because my dad was a host there and my mom, you know, started sewing. She would take clothes home, having three young children at home. She couldn't uh, sew at a sewing factory in downtown. Um, So our landlady allowed her to bring bags of clothes home, which was completely illegal back then. You could not do that. So, um, but she, nonetheless, she sewed at home and we helped her with chopstick, like, you know. Oh. Um, so that's kind of how my mom restarted her life, um, really to give um, her children an opportunity wow. to do something with our life, which is why, you know, to kind of, to what you said, which is why we really, my brother and my sister and I, really take this opportunity to heart. Like we really feel like what a blessing it is for us to be able to be here in the United States, to have been able to grow up here, educated here at a, in a, in a country that really allows you, you know, the opportunity is there. You just got to seek, seek it and take action. And, and we've really lived our life daily, uh, you know, understanding the, the sacrifices that my mom and my dad gave to, for us to have a better life. Yeah. And, the, and, the business that your mom sold in Peru, was that the restaurant? It was the restaurant. Yeah, and that was also, was it called Chifa? It was called Chifa Gotwai. Mm. Um, and Gotwai is my brother's Chinese name. Mm. Um, in all Asian cultures, you know, the sun is what matters. <laughs> and so- This is actually really true, yeah. <laughs> and it's fine. And we buy into that. My sister and I, we love our baby, Umberto's our baby brother. And so, you know, she named the restaurant after her only son. Um, and then closed it. And so when my family and I 
wanted to reopen, you know, finally when we decided we want to open a restaurant, we thought it would be appropriate to just kind of use the same name that my mom had for yeah. her restaurant in Peru. Right. And actually means like ch to eat in Chinese? Yes. So we think that, so all Chinese restaurants in Lima mm -hmm. are called chifas. So when the family, every Sunday you would say, vamos a comer chifa, we're going to go eat a Chinese, Chinese restaurant. restaurant. Mm. Um, and we think that came about because the Chinese use the term chifan or in Mandarin or sikfan in Cantonese to, to ask your family to come to the dinner table oh. and it's specific to dinner. And so I think the Peruvians were hearing this and they were like, what the heck are you guys saying? So chifa just kind of meant Chinese restaurant. Kind of right? turned to a slang. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Got it. Got it. Got it. That is amazing. So, you know, and coming to the United States at the time in the seventies, you know, that was where we experienced, like where we felt a little out of place. You know, we moved to Highland Park, an amazing landlady. Um, and she's still actually there. She, uh, she's nine. She just celebrated her 90th birthday. Wow. Happy um, and birthday. we still give her, we still deliver food to her Amazing. and her grandson actually works with us as Chifa as well. What? So <laughs> what? no, we talk about relationship. Like it wow. means a lot to me. Wow. Um, relationship means everything and people who have supported my family, Incredible. we really try to, we remember them and try to give back to them. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we felt, you know, coming to the United States in the seventies, it was odd to be Chinese. Um, we ate funky foods. People didn't understand it. And you fast forward to today, which is why we wanted to open a restaurant. And I'll get into that a little bit later, but the world is completely different yeah. and it's so exciting wow. to be here today. Okay, so you grew up with so many different exposures to obviously the restaurant, your family restaurant, and also when you came here, but then also your mom with garments, and that makes sense with Humberto yes. and what he ended up doing. Yes. <laughs> but for you, what was an interest and passion for you growing up? So I was, um, you know, the eldest daughter. Uh, so I basically didn't have an opportunity to really think about what I wanted mm. to do because, you know, as I mentioned, my dad, you know, I was a lot older than my mom and my mom essentially was, uh, the, the, the breadwinner for my family, what? Right, right, you know? Right. Um, so for me, I was focused on really graduating, you know, I, I, I got in my education, uh, graduating and really coming out to help my mom raise the family. So that was kind of, you know, but my passion have always been reading. Uh, so I love reading. I still do it today. And a lot of what I do uh, as a business uh, for the restaurant is really understanding history, uh, learning from, you know, vicariously through people who are successful. You know, you look at, you know, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, uh, my husband laughed. They're like my boyfriends <laughs> that I completely <laughs> study and I try to mimic and understand what they've done with Berkshire Hathaway. Incredible, and I kind yeah. of adopt their mm. kind of philosophy and business in the, on all the little things that I do. Wow. Um, so John and I met at an investment firm. Um, I, I, I don't know if people know this, but I was actually a computer programming major at Cal Poly Pomona. No way. So I'm a techie. Oh, wow. Yes. So, so I love technology. Mm. Um, I wrote programs, uh, you know, but what I, and, and I thought, you know, I thought growing up, uh, you know, tr I thought I was a traditional Chinese girl and that I could sit in a room by myself and program away. No, you don't seem like that and, type. <laughs> and when I graduated and was looking for a job, I, you know, I, it was 1992. I did not, I wanted to work for a consulting firm and the big 
firms at the time were Arthur Anderson and Ernst and Young. Right. Um, 19, 1992 was a recession. I didn't get those jobs, you know. Um, so then I had it. I worked for a small investment firm and basically brought them. They were. T- on typewriters and they hired me because I knew, I knew computers. So I transitioned them as a 22 year old, like this huge project transitioning them from typewriters to a network and computers. It was huge. So such, and and then I realized, wow, I actually like the investment, Mm. like the investment side. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and I really like talking to people and I wasn't the shy girl I thought I was, you know? <laughs> That's so- the last thing I would say about you. <laughs> you know, and so I had an opportunity to uh, look for a job in the investment on the investment side. Gotcha. And that's where John and I met. We met at a large, a pretty large investment firm here in Los Angeles. Um, it was both of our second job. Um, mm. And in 20, and, and so anyway, he and I married, we had children, um, great experience uh, of, you know, a firm that was, is privately held. I learned a lot. I kind of felt like I got my MBA there working. While working. While working. Uh, and he and I decided, you know, one of us should stay home when the kids became teenagers because sure. we wanted, you know, we wanted one of us to be at home uh, to raise them. Um, and 08 happened. Yes. And I was in sales, in pension asset sales with large clients. And so I just, and I just, I saw a shift. Um, and this is why studying history and reading mm. history is so important. It's beneficial for you, huh? Yes. Cause it, for, it gives you an, it lets you see like a pattern. A pattern. Mm. So history doesn't repeat itself necessarily. And you know, this is an old saying, but it rhymes. So you can identify things, but you got to study history in order to understand, to see this pattern. So anyway, I saw that, um, that active management was changing and that, and that passive was going to really be the, the big, and, and, and my clients were telling me this large pension clients were telling me this, that they were moving away from active long only management to passive and then going into alternatives, whether it was real estate Mm -hmm. or so anyway, so I took that to heart. So I left in 2009 and basically you know, fooled around, raised my children for two years and had, and, and, you know, thank goodness, John continued to work, um, gave me the opportunity to look around, to see like, what do I want to do next? Uh, what do I want to do for my family? I didn't want to just jump into another corporate job. Um, so in that period of two years, um, I became a soccer coach, took oh over AYSO regional <laughs> commissioner. Oh so, God. you know, you know, coach two teams, um, homeschool my children. Cause, uh, I was looking at our educational system and I said, something was wrong mm. again. It's history. Mm. I just knew like something was not right. My kids were sitting in a classroom they were forced to do things that was not natural. Mm. You know, children are so curious. And so anyway, my husband and I decided we want to homeschool our kids and just teach them philosophy and just, you know, and, and bring them under our own wings. And, wow. and my family thought we were crazy. So anyway, so that was kind of what I did. And then I, um, I had a chance to, you know, just coming from the investment side, I looked around like, mm. what do wealthy people do? What do, what do wealthy companies, like what do businesses do? So if you look at Saks Fifth Avenue, Target, Macy's, JCPenney, you look at wealthy people and you know, their portfolio, their business would, you know, would suffer right during downturns, 
but their real estate portfolio really su supported their business. Mm. That was what supported them. And so mm. I said, and then I know a lot of young, you know, immigrant families mm -hmm. who basically Koreans, Chinese, who supported their families because they bought real estate early mm. on, you know? And so I said, you know what? Maybe that's something I need to look into for my family. And so I started investing in real estate in 2012, 2013, and kind of um, built my portfolio to allow us to really, you know, um, allow my husband to finally do something different as well after, you know, and he was there for 26 years and he wanted to do something different. So, wow. so you were able to give him that like, yeah, yeah. The, the support, freedom. you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. So now you're in real estate. And I learned before we you know, started recording that you were able to secure the space for, for Shifa. Shifa. Yes. But that was also like a long process, right? Yeah. So, you know, I, um, you know, I want to say maybe seven years ago, uh, just observing uh, my children and all these young kids around us um, and then putting kind of two and two together. Mm -hmm. If you look at millennial and generation Z's, right, they were they stop. They were starting. You know, we grew up. I mean, I'm I'm a lot older than you, Arnold. But I grew up as a mall mat, yeah, mall course. rat. We our pat our pastimes was hanging out at a mall, right, right, right. You know, and and bargain hunting, and that's just what we do. And my children were like, Mom, you know, what are we shopping? No, sh like no shopping. I'm just gonna buy my stuff online, online. right? Mm. And so you saw this demise of retail yes. and I think a shift and I can talk about this as well, but a shift to retail online actually caused retail brick and mortars to basically cannibalize their brick and mortar business. Mm. So I kind of mm. saw that happening. Um, and then also if you think about the millennials and Gen Zers, they are the most well traveled generation in the history of the United States. Why? because the silent generation and the baby boomers are the wealthiest generation uh, that came out of uh, in the, the industrial revolution. So they were able to share by travel, by food with their kids and grandkids. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I started, you know, when, when my kids were, were in school, in public school, you know, you started to see these kids, we would bring Ding Typhoon, right? We would go to Ding Typhoon. They had a, the one Ding Typhoon in Arcadia before they exploded. I would buy Ding Typhoon. My kids would take it to school. They'll heat it up in the microwave and literally Eventually, I had to buy five boxes of Ding Tai Fung for my children because all their kids wanted, wanted this dumpling. Their hands on it, yeah. They wanted this dumpling. So we would buy five boxes for them to reheat. So, wow. you know, it really said something to me. It communicated to me mm -hmm. that while my children's generation is ready for a, like this kind of like different foods, mm. whereas when I grew up, if I brought a dumpling to school people would be like what the hell is that that's true you know I even even for me too right yeah. and so even for your generation yeah. i think the younger folks you know and they would have people with their friends would say like god i wish i was chinese and yeah. i'm like wait what? <laughs> what the hell you wish you were chinese <laughs> like we You're grew right. up like trying to hide and You're assimilate, right. assimilate yeah you know and so <sighs> yeah. so i told my brother i said i i called my brother i still remember because I, I i formed all these ideas and i'm like I call him Bobby. Okay. Just so you guys know. So I'm like, Bobby, I said, I think we need to open a restaurant. And he's like, why? And you know, I shared kind of the, these thoughts and he's like, okay, let's do it. So I said, okay, but the only way I would do it 
because, you know, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger teaches you margin of safety. You need a fallback just in case it doesn't work out, mm. which is why I, I wanted to、um, own the real estate. That is so smart. That is smart. my margin of safety. That is so smart. <laughs> and more restaurant operators and owners should know that. Yeah. That, that should be something you strive towards, in、yes. my opinion.、Too. Yes. That's how you sustain all the economic downturns. Yes, exactly. That's, the, that's, your, that's, your, that's your insurance. Yeah. If something doesn't happen properly, you know, doesn't go well, that's, and, and you know, and unfortunately in COVID, Um, especially early on, it, it kind of it told me that I made the right decision in, in taking our time, right? It took me four years to find this property.、Mm. Um, but what it tells me is that, you know, a lot of restaurants unfortunately closed early on. So what that told me is like, gosh, they couldn't even sustain two months of closure and they had to close. So it, it, it really, you know, it's sad, but it, it made it, Kind of reinforced my thinking of this is the right thing that we did. Yeah. So, the root and inspiration behind getting into the restaurant industry was that partially your, your children and, and kind of observing what's happening right now? Yes. So, there's, I mean, there's a lot、Obviously、of. There's like more of this. There's a lot of. So,、yeah. I thought it was a great time.、Mm. There was a, several things. We, I thought we, we, my family thought it was a great time to introduce、uh, the world. Um, you know, in LA and eventually the world, but <laughs> to really,、um, you know, change the idea of what Asian food is、um, in terms of the traditional Sam Wu and the traditional, you know, hole in the wall that you, that my mom had. My mom had restaurants. We grew up in restaurants. You know, she would open a restaurant, you know, they do chow fan, you know, very traditional wonton stuff that, that Americans are used to eating, right?、Mm-hmm. They would close and then they would open another one.、Um, and that's, I think that's the story for a lot of、um, Asian immigrants. They would open businesses and close and open businesses because that's just what they, they would do.、Um, and so, number one, we thought it was time to really showcase. To our community, what quality Asian food might look like and, and Peruvian food. And then, number two,、um, I kind of wanted to, you know, like I mentioned,、uh, we homeschooled our children. I wanted to,、uh, in my homeschooling, I worked really hard to recreate the immigrant experience that I had as an immigrant child. I wanted my children. Children to feel that、mm. because I really feel、That's、having、so、that immigrant mentality, mentality it, it, your work ethics is just different. That's what dictates the work it, it does.、Yeah. And, you know, and, and, I was, and my husband and I are so scared. You know, he's a first generation born American. He was born here. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I, you know, so we always talk about this, and I'm so happy that he agrees with、mm. me. We talk about, like, gosh, in three generations, and you see this in history. In three generations, when, when par- grandparents were successful, they passed the wealth to their, child, their, their children, and then the grandchildren, you kind of see that third generation, the work ethics kind of change.、Mm. And we're really striving to not, to really entrench this kind of immigrant work ethic in our children. I, I don't know if we're going to be successful, but we're trying. So, part of the reason we wanted to open the restaurant、um, was to have our children, you know. Participate in it and、yeah. work and not be paid because、oh. we weren't paid. So my kids are not paid. You're recreating that experience. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and before we get into just everybody involved in the restaurant and what they do, right? 
How cool is it that you opened and found a space in Eagle Rock, which is so adjacent to Highland Park? Yes. So as I mentioned, we uh, immigrated and lived in Highland Park. Uh-huh. I went to Luther. I went to Aldema Elementary. I graduated from Luther Burbank Junior High um, in the 70s and 80s uh, when Highland Park was not what it is today. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, we heard gunshots like literally like that was our normal, you know, our normal every day. Yeah. And I actually rebelled. Um, I actually ditched school for a month in eighth grade and took my sister and my cousin with me. And then we were caught eventually after a month. Um, and then my, you know, my parents were really upset, but my mom finally, after I graduated my ninth grade in, in Luther Burbank, we, um, she took us, you know, uh, out of the, the city and we lived in San Gabriel Valley. So Umberto actually grew up in Rosemead and went to Rosemead High and I finished my high school years there. But as I said, you know, um, just full circle, uh, we're, my, my family and maybe more so myself, you know, we're still in communication with our landlady. Um, like I said, she's still living in the apartment we grew up in. How amazing is that? Um, in Highland Park. And so when I was looking for an opportunity to open this restaurant, it took me four years. Um, and I'm okay with that. I believe in fate. As I said, when, when the timing is right, the right opportunity will show up. And I looked at so many um, spaces, but I really wanted to be in Northeast LA. And I was hoping to be as close to Highland Park as possible because I we wanted to give back to the community that kind of, you know, supported us mm-hmm. and, uh, and where we started from mm-hmm. and also Northeast LA. I know you're new to Los Angeles, I am, I am. but to me, that's the soul of LA. That's where immigrants all kind of, you know, started their life, whether mm-hmm. you're Latin American or Chinese, you kind of started in the Chinatown Highland park, mm-hmm. Eagle rock, you know, kind of that area. Mm-hmm. And so we really wanted to be back in, in that kind of that general vic- uh, vicinity and to be able to, hopefully do something successful and cool and give back to our community. Yeah. And so that's why we're there. It's such an amazing space that you found and it wasn't the restaurant before, right? No, it was for 40 years. It was a little pet grooming shop. Crazy. Um, yes. And at when the opportunity was, you know, they had already the, the father had started the business and he had passed it along to his daughter mm-hmm. and she had retired. So two generations of them ran this pet grooming shop. So it was empty by the time we saw it. And, you know, um, we, you know, just, we knew we, we wanted a small space. Uh, this was our first venture into a restaurant. We didn't want to be overwhelmed and, you know, bite off more than we can chew. So um, we just thought that the spot was perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, and Umberto didn't even see it. I, you know, I showed it to him on FaceTime and he's like, <laughs> okay, let's go for it. So. <laughs> That's amazing. What time did you, like, what was the year that you took, took that space over? So we, we, uh, we bought the space in 2018 18, and yeah, end of 2018, October. It took us a year to get the permits from LA city. Wow. Like crazy. I don't know how small businesses do this. We sat for a year. <sighs> Um, and then they finally gave us the permit to go in January of 2020. No way. Oh yeah. After you got in 20, that space in 2018. Yes. <sighs> and we built that puppy literally in 10 months. Yeah. Cause you and opened in November. In November. <laughs> yes. 
and we gutted the entire building. And it wasn't. There was no piping. There was no, no nothing. Nothing. Was a yeah. We had to put in the oil interceptor, like everything. And 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 Arnold, like the weirdest thing, okay, is that when I was looking for a space, I wanted a parking lot. Umberto and I secretly was saying we're gonna have outdoor dining, and we'll figure out how we're gonna do that. But we need a parking lot. Wow. And you know, sure and lo enough. and behold, yeah, COVID happened. So. Because you, when you opened in November 2020, I remember this because I moved to LA in October 2020. Worst time to move to LA, by the way. Never move in the middle of a <laughs> raging pandemic. <laughs> Terrible. Super, super depressed. I was, yeah, it was yeah. really, it's a sad time. Yes. So anyways, um, November 2020, I know for sure what it must have been difficult for you all too. Yes. So we had two weeks of uh, friends and family. Uh, so where we had outdoor, outdoor. dining uh -huh, uh -huh. two weeks. And we, we, we basically served local community only. We didn't yeah. announce, do a broad announcement. And then we finally were excited. We were going to open the weekend after Thanksgiving. And, you know, we, the whole team was super excited. Um, then all of a sudden, the second shutdown came. The, the outdoor the dining. second one, yep. Yeah. So we actually opened in uh, with uh, to go. We had to do two goes. Yeah. Then that's how we opened our restaurant. COVID restaurant. Yes. At the height of COVID too. It was really bad. Like November, December, 2020. Yes. Yes. Terrible. We weren't sure if anybody was going to show up. Yeah. And you know, um, and I think with Umberto's, you know, marketing kind of genius that he is, um, we got a little bit of, you know, publicity and press and the local community, uh, you know, we presented to the local uh, community board when we first sure. uh, came into Eagle Rock. So they were where we were opening. So we had a lot of local support. Yeah. And when on. you first opened, I, I read that you didn't hire any staff, right? No. Just yes. all your family members. Yes. Well, we did fully fund um, the back of the house. Uh, most of them were friends and family. Uh, so for example, my nanny, uh, who helped me raise my children, uh, when I stopped working, she ended up working for my friend and her family and she was laid off, uh, during the pandemic. Cause my friend didn't have to go to work, you know? So she, and you know, we're like, you know, Norma, why don't you come and work with us? So she is working with us as well. My mom, um, so, uh, my children, my, my daughter, um, and then, because of the shutdown, we didn't hire front of the house. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so when we first reopened for outdoor dining, it was basically Umberto and I were the servers. <laughs> for a good, I want to say a good, like, gosh, three, four months. Yeah. Um, and then we started slowly hiring like one or two person for front of the house. Yeah. I mean, obviously terrible, you know, conditions and this and that, but do you think in hindsight it was good for you in a way where you got to experience firsthand, like that position and experiencing, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, I've never been a server. <laughs> so I've always been a busser, uh, cause I worked at my family's sure. restaurants my whole life. And you know, they didn't trust me enough to be a server, right? <laughs> so I always was the busser, was a support. You yeah. know, my brother and I, um, Umberto actually is the only one in my family that is legitimately has server experience. So he worked at Charlie Brown in college. And so he, mm. had, so of all people, we were like, okay, for sure, you're going to have to serve. Um, but, you know, uh, I basically put myself in the shoe of my guests, right? What do, what do I want when I go to a restaurant? What am I looking for in a server? And so I kind of, you know, just adopted that role. Um, but yeah, it was new for, for myself. Uh, Umberto was a pro at it. Um, you know, technology has really made things a lot easier. We're no longer, you know, and, and being the 
tech person that I am, I use technology to the fullest. So Toast came out with an amazing handheld. Uh, there was no reason for us to write tickets. So all of those things really helped us to really be able to focus um, the experience for our guest and less so on just admin technical, mm, mm, you know, writing down orders mm, and running to a, to a POS to punch mm, it in. Mm. So really it allowed, we use technology to the fullest to help us make our job easier. Yeah. So, but yeah, we opened in the pandemic and, you know, in Arnold, I think in hindsight, we are so, I'm not, I don't wish the pandemic on anybody, of course. but in hindsight, would it allow my family, you know, other normal, otherwise most families didn't see each other for years. You know, they, they wanted to keep their parents safe. And so for us, what we were able to do was safely open a restaurant, work together as a family. Yep. Um, I mean, we saw each other almost every day. It's like a bubble that you created. Yes. Kind of, yeah. And my mom in her seventies to not be isolated, to be able to come out and to greet guests and to be around us. Like yeah. that was just, you know, having the restaurant allowed us as a family to really engage together. I cannot see her alone and isolated. No, that would have been really <laughs> sad is, for her. Yeah. <laughs> and so just speaking about your brother, your children, last time I went there, I think um, your daughter was on the walk station. Yes. Uh, your son was expediting. Like what, what are they doing right now at, at the restaurant? Are they all just kind of like taking turns and rotating? Yes. So my children, when they first started, my youngest son, who's uh, 18, was the expediter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's never done it. And you've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. To me, I think it's the hardest job in the it's, restaurant. Thank you. Okay. I thank think you. expediter is the hardest. Easily, easily. And and he was, you know, being the, he was 17, six, 17 at the time. I think 16, Incredible, 17. Honestly. He's a gamer. So he's like, mom, I got this. I'm a gamer. I can it, strategize. It does, it does, strategizing. Yeah. It is, it is, it is. You know? Yeah. And yeah. so so we're like, okay, so he did an amazing job. Uh, we think that's, we, we, so you agree that that's the hardest job in the restaurant. My daughter, we wanted her to be front of the house initially uh, mm. as a hostess. Um, and she, her personality is much more geared towards smaller groups of people. <laughs> and, uh, and so she said, mom, can I be in the back yeah. and cook with dad? And we said, sure. Mm. You know, so she ended up being, uh, on the line. So she was helping my husband with the ribs and the dandan noodle. So that was kind of her station. Um, and then my oldest son who's 25, uh, is a photographer and he's also, you know, been doing a bunch of different things. He's also a DJ. So he invented our black, he loves cooking. Uh, he used to host all these little uh, parties with his friends and he would charge them 10 bucks and he would do yeah. these tasting menus in his apartment. So he came up with the black sesame cheesecake for us. Oh. So he invented that and it's been a big seller. Um, and he helps us with the website and the menu and a bunch of different things. So my children are all very involved and Umberto's daughters and you've probably seen them there. Um, so they've been during COVID, they've been making these uh, mask uh, necklaces and they've sold probably a thousand dollars worth, maybe even a little bit more. Incredible. And we made them make all the sale. So we're like training them to be entrepreneurs early. Um, and, and I said early on, you have to like sell this. We're not going to sell for you. You have to sell. And so they donated, you know, the proceeds to um, a few different organizations. Wow. So, yeah, so we've had, you know, a great experience in the last two years, uh, just yeah, being with my crazy. family. It's been two years. Yeah. Well, two year, one year building up. and then one year, uh, being open and serving our guests. Wow. You've been through it all, like outdoor, for, outdoor for two weeks into to go takeout and then 
very recently you opened for indoor dining too. It's just mm-hmm. been like maybe a couple months, half a half a year. Half a year, half I want to say half a year. We took our time. Yeah. 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 How was how's it been? Just like just transitioning during those periods because I'm sure it was difficult to pivot all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think I think and I I you know, going back to being an immigrant child. You make it work. I think you make it work. <laughs> yeah. You know, nothing and you know, my mom has a saying um that we grew up with. Uh teen I'm gonna say in Cantonese, teen come, which literally translates to when the sky falls, you use it as a blanket. So there's no problem that's ever insurmountable. Mm. You know, um with that one saying. It's like I mean, imagine when the sky is falling, like that's the end of the world. Mm. And the saying, the Chinese saying is you can use that as a blanket as, cause it'll, it'll keep you warm. It, so what that tells you is there's always a positive out of any problem. Yeah. If you, you know, you don't, you don't get overburdened by the problem. You just figure out, okay, how do I move forward? And that's what we've done as a family. Um, and I think partly is because, you know, when you're an immigrant and when you don't have money and you're trying to survive and figure things out, you just, you have to have that mentality, a positive mentality to move forward. Yeah. I mean, the one, the one last thing on the restaurant too, is it's not your typical Chinese restaurant for obviously a variety of reasons. But for me, when I went and I, something that really fascinated me was the Cantonese influence, the Taiwanese influence, the Peruvian influence. So just, could you share with us why that is? Cause I know obviously your husband and you know, this yes. and that. So. so we basically, so when we started, when we were planning out our restaurant menu, we have 50 items that really? we all love 50 items. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot more that we want to share with people. Right. Um, but we've narrowed it down to our favorite. I think we have 20 now, about 20 items. And the reason we decided on the items that we have today is because that's what we serve during our holiday parties. So, you know, my mom has 11 brothers and sisters and I am the eldest of 40 some grandchildren on my mom's side. And they're all here in the United States. My dad's family has, he has nine brothers and sisters and I am, you know, one of, oh gosh, 40, 50 grandchildren. So we come from a big family. So what our Christmas and, um, and Thanksgiving gatherings, (laughs) oh, it's 50 to 60 people each time, (laughs) Chinese new year. So John and my mom over the years were cooking for 50, 60 people every occasion oh. and these were the things that ev- that we would serve at our parties oh wow you know we would serve a little bit of taiwan once i married john we would introduce his taiwanese right, right. and then our peruvian dishes that we love and our cantonese and so that's you know we we just figure we just serve what we love and hopefully everyone else will enjoy it too. Yeah. You guys had a test run early on. Yes. <laughs> 60 people, no big deal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, you told me something that I, I, I heard from somebody that you were doing another concept or restaurant, but then you told me right before we recorded. So I want to kind of talk about that and just, you know, 20, it's still pretty early on in the year. Yes. So what are you focusing on? What are your goals for this year for you, your family, your restaurant? Yeah. So, you know, so for us, um, you know, we still want to continue um, to do what we're doing today. I think it's, you know, any business owner, right? Once you, once you start a business and it's successful, you, there's, there could be opportunities where the ambiance, the 
quality and all that could change. And I'm, we're working really hard to make sure that, that we keep everything that we initially started consistent. Um, and part of that is that we have a very dedicated small team. Um, I don't believe in, you know, in growing a business with, with, with a lot of admin, kind of top management, if you will. Mm -hmm. So my brother and John and I are very involved in every aspect of our business. Um, our team members, uh, who, you know, our part, our partners in our business have access to all of us, um, give us feedback and they tell us like, Hey, here's where we can do things better. So we're going to, one of our focus in 2022 is going to be to continue to to execute on what we initially set out. Um, as I said, we have like 50 items on our, on our, on our list of things that we want to share with our community. And so we'll probably be rotating some, awesome. some things. Um, my husband does an amazing, uh, arroz con pato, which is a Peruvian duck dish. And, you know, so he and I have been trying to figure out when we introduce that. We may have to take the boiler brasa off. I don't know. Oh, we no. gotta figure it out. You know, yeah, but yeah. his his version of our family's arroz con pato is to die for. So anyway, so that's a dish, for example, that we would like yep. to, we want to introduce. Um, and then you know, you mentioned we have a new concept. Um, uh, my mom has a friend who asked us to partner with them to reopen their restaurant in Arcadia. And so we've been working on that for the last six months. Uh, we're just waiting for permits to finalize, um, you know, the things that we, we, we want to do. Uh, so that concept will be a pure Cantonese, um, you know, so just being from Hong Kong and, and my brother and I really love Chinese food. We, you know, we wanted to, kind of bring back a, a very traditional classic Hong Kongese flavor food. And we kind of started that at Chifa. If you have our, um, our Lai Cha is very classic Hong Kong hand pulled tea. Mm -hmm. So we want to kind of uh, continue with that theme of bringing back, you know, very traditional flavors, but in a modern Americanized way. Um, and also, uh, do that with desserts as well, bringing back some of the desserts that we grew up eating in our household. So, and, and potentially partnering like we've done at Chifa with other bakers and other dessert, Asian American, especially a uh, dessert maker. So that's kind of our concept yeah. and our ideas of going forward. Awesome. Also, I just want to say on air, you and Roberto and just your family have been just big champions for, the AAPI community. And I really appreciate what you guys are doing in terms of giving, especially home bakers, these local bakers in LA that don't have a storefront, that don't have an opportunity to really cast a wider net. Mm -hmm. You are giving them that platform yeah. through your restaurant. Yes. And we're excited. I mean, you know, we thank them actually for the opportunity um, that they're trusting us with their right. brand. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and some of these folks we found through you, you know, in efforts that you've been doing with uh, your baker's box, you know, and I wish I could travel with you to every, every <laughs> you're city, invited, you're invited. every city you're that you're going to, you know, when things <laughs> open up, I, I, you know, I will go with you, but yeah, it's like, you know, there are so many exciting things coming out of our Asian American community. Um, and for myself, also our Latin American communities, of course, of course. like that's, you know, those are things that we really want to highlight and showcase. Um, you know, my family feel real, extremely blessed, right. That we came over as, you know, really poor immigrants. Um, my mom worked her butt off to make sure we had a good education and instilled in us this kind of, um, you know, love for life and, you know, 
and and not just sitting on your laurels like like just keep moving forward keep working hard and she really instilled that in us and i think we feel so lucky that we have take that 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 um, the our community has supported us as individuals for myself my you know my brother my sister um that we really it's time to give back you know we're not every you know, it's hard right you cuz you look at families you look at immigrants and you look at like what causes what what causes one family to be able to succeed and mm. climb out of poverty mm. and what doesn't and mm. so we're really trying to help help n- navigate that mm. giving people opportunities and exposure and you know bringing back the you know in chinese and probably in korean like you you really value your elders yes and we really want we want to sh- value just kind of our history our culture and bring that back out in a modern way so that our new generation of chinese americans or asian americans don't forget and tell the stories and don't forget kind of where they came from because i think that's really important the story of where we all came from um america's a mel- melting pot it's a land of immigrants and we are where we are you know one of the best countries in the world quite frankly because of this uh immigrant uh mentality. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being being proud of being American but also proud of our ancestry and where we came from. So, my brother and I that's a huge focus for us. Um a little bit of it selfishly for our children and if we, you know, we want to share it with our children, but if we can share it with everybody else that um that's even a a better blessing. Yeah, well thanks for leading the way, honestly. Thank you. And I think more more restaurants should be really cognizant of that and and bringing more intentional curation into their program. So I appreciate you honestly thanks for just spending Tuesday morning with me here. It's 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 been awesome. Well, thank you Arnold and thank you for hosting. You know, I've I've listened to every episode that you have. Um so thank you for highlighting Asian Americans. I think as a community, it's time for us to come together and really support each other in food, in business, in in whatever, what are in the arts and anything that, you know, cuz Asian Americans have always been known to be the nerdy, right? And in reality, um we're actually pretty creative. And I think your show you're highlighting that and I think we're, Umberto's been highlighting that. Of course, of course. Um, you know, we're not only doctors and lawyers and accountants. Anything but. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you. No, thank thanks. you everyone out there. Please go check out the restaurant honestly it's such a good time and say hi to Popo too she's such great <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Weekly Welcome a huge thank you to Rika for being on the podcast spending her morning with me uh, she's an avid listener too of the podcast so it was a really really cool moment for me to have you on and um, we I loved our conversation you are a savvy savvy businesswoman if anything and uh, i'm sure that people listening took a lot away from you so thank you for sharing your wisdom and knowledge with us and if you haven't been to shifa please go check it out in eagle rock it is amazing it's definitely a restaurant you don't want to miss out on so make those reservations and go order everything off the menu um it's terrific so again thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week on weekly welcome